If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to the book of Hebrews, we'll be in chapter 12. I'm going to be toward the, the back of chapter 12. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll begin in verse 18 and read through the rest of the chapter. That's 18 to 29 of the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. I'll especially be dealing with uh, one, one particular phrase in verse 25, but we'll get there when we get there. I see you've risen. Uh, and so I take it that you found your place. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll begin reading in verse 18. The writer of the book of Hebrews here is summing up the whole book as it were and talking about how important it is that we should heed this, this great grace and great mercy which the Lord's given us. Verse 18, he's, he states, For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched <clears throat> and that burn with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. He's talking about the law. He's talking about the mount that represents the law. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you're coming to Mount Sinai, speaking of this, this age of grace, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Verse 25 will especially concentrate on see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. <clears throat> but now he hath promised, saying, Yes, once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifying the removing of those things that are shaken as of the things which are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Lord Jesus, I pray you help me this morning. I might be faithful, Lord, to preach this that you've given to me, and that we might all in the hearing thereof, uh, Lord, be, be uh, blessed with understanding, that we might be strengthened and corrected as needed, whatever's needed, that, Lord, we would go forth from here strong in your word and shining brightly, Lord, in a dark world. I ask you this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. This whole section here, the writer's really summing up what he's come to so far uh, because he's told these Hebrews about how, how desperate it is or how urgent it is that they should hold on to this faith they've been given. This faith in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that they should not fall back again into what he called the beggarly elements of the law. Now as he speaks here and he, and he contrasted the two mounts uh, and, and spoke about how we're not come to the law, but to, rather to grace. He spoke a word in the middle of this in verse 25 that I would like to deal with. He said, See that you refuse not him that speaketh. 
What I want to deal with today is refusing God or how to refuse God. Uh, how is it that we can refuse God? For I, I believe that I see around me often those who refuse God knowing not that they refuse God. Thinking they refuse nothing of God because they've went through the right rituals, because they've uh, done the things that others told them, not that told them that was all that was required. They, by their actions, by their thoughts, and by their very heart itself, they refuse God and show it. And so I tell you that uh, we must make sure we do not refuse Him that speaketh. We cannot refuse the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so how then do people refuse God? I tell you, the first is to refuse life. To refuse life. For speaking of Jesus Christ, it said that He is the life. It said He was the life. And Him was the life. And that life was the light of men. Uh, and so He is the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, I tell you that He is life. Uh, and, and that He came to give us life. And life more abundantly. If we refuse life, we refuse Jesus Christ. If we by our actions and our thoughts and our desires refuse life, then we refuse God. We should be a people who are set toward life and should look for life. We should love life and never death. Speaking of wisdom, the Bible says, all that, all that hate me love death. We're not people who hate wisdom. We love the Lord and we love life. I tell you that we're a people who should try to train our children that whatever you do, look forward. Never get bogged down in despair. Never look toward exiting life. But rather, trust God to get you through life. We should be a people that hate the, the ways of this world that lead toward death. Uh, you know, this world says it's all right, by the way, if you end your life. You say, no, it doesn't say that. Yes, it does. It's beginning to more and more. As they've come out with assisted suicide laws, now it's come out, it was in Europe I saw, that they, the judge or whoever it was that was in charge of whether or not they would allow assisted suicide allowed a young, uh, a young lady, I don't remember if she was in her teenage years or maybe her early 20s, uh, to go ahead with an assisted suicide because she was so depressed. I'm telling you that that's not the fruit of the God that we serve. But rather we love life. In Deuteronomy, Moses called out to the children of Israel and told them about the blessings and the curses and how good it was to follow after God and how that so many curses were on rejecting God. He said, I've set before you this day good and life. And then he says, and death and evil. And he said, choose life. Choose life. We're a people who love life. Uh, there's a reason why it's the Christian people who stand so strongly and say, no, no, don't kill our babies just because they're unborn, just because they're born to the wrong person, just because they're born with a defect, just because they're born in bad circumstances, just because the parents themselves don't love them, don't kill the children, but rather we choose life. We love life. We say no matter what happens, uh, these children are the heritage of the Lord. Let them live. Let there be life. I'm telling you, those who refuse life, refuse God. Amen. It's for us to always love life. To help people live. 
Help people live better if we can help them live, live better. To go to those who are sick and down and, and in need and in the hospital, even if they're at the end of their life, and comfort them and try to help them enjoy every minute they can enjoy. Help them have a full life in all ways. We're a people who love life. Those who do not love life, those who refuse life, refuse God. The second thing I could tell you on how to refuse God is not only refuse life, but refuse law. And you may say, well, that's strange. You just got through saying this whole thing had to do with taking, uh, taking grace over law. I'm not talking about Mosaic law. I'm not talking about eating catfish and bacon. I'm not talking about ceremonial law that has to do with offering up the sacrifice of lambs and goats. I'm talking about the law of God that He puts on our hearts. I'm telling you that those who refuse the law of a clean conscience, those who refuse that that they know by the knowledge of good and evil, which all men inherited because the tree that Adam ate of was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so that all men and all women know good and evil, those who refuse that law of God refuse God. Uh, our scriptures are plain that we're a people of law and order. We're a people who like to see things run well. We're not a people who go around protesting and rebelling. And that's right. And now in our land we're taught about our heritage of protest. And it's considered to be a good thing to go out and protest in the streets. And I'll tell you that, that is, it is a disgrace and it's an abomination before God to be a, a rebellious and a stiff neck and a protesting people. But rather we're a people of law and order. We love law and order. We love it in our homes. We love it in our communities. We love it in our churches. We love it in our lives. God's people love law and order. They love to, to follow God's law and keep everything in order because God is not a God of chaos. He's not the author of chaos. He's not the author of confusion, but rather He's a God of order. And those who refuse order and refuse law refuse God. No matter what the words of the mouth say, the actions tell on the heart. Those who would uh, in church... Of course, we're supposed to have order. It's not a matter of what I want. It's not a matter of what you want. It's a matter of doing what is profitable to the entire church. It's a matter of doing what helps the whole church. It's a matter of doing what God has ordained. And that's why we keep things in order. Uh, it's not a free-for-all in a romper room. Not because it, that God's not God if it is, but because the church is not edified if it is. It doesn't help anybody if church is just a mess. And so we want it in order. That's why we don't fight over every little foolish thing that comes up. Amen. If we're right with God. It's because God's children love order. And they like things to be in order. And they're willing to swallow things rather than cause a mess. Amen. For things to be in order, the church has to be... As a matter of fact, Paul said, let all things be done. And, de and that's right, decently and in order. And we read in the, in the book of Romans, uh, when we're told about <clears throat> our public behavior, uh, we're told, uh, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. And he was talking about the governmental powers. It says, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. And that means that we obey the government. 
That's right. That means we pay our taxes. Uh, that means we follow the law. And listen, you and I have all been guilty of breaking little laws, sometimes out of ignorance, sometimes out of impatience. Amen. Anybody ever speed? I, I've been I'm there. And how's that? It's a broken law. Uh, and, how, and what does that mean? It means at that point and at that time, we're refusing to do what God said. That's right. I'm confessing. Anything about you that doesn't obey the law is not right with God. And we're people who say we love God, then let us show we love God by loving law, by loving order, by loving discipline, by loving things to be in the right place, by having a life that reflects law and order and discipline. By, by being a people who are orderly and ordered in their conduct. It says and by, that whether it's in legalities or by the people that we are. Uh, it says in that same chapter, verse 13, uh, let us walk honestly. And that word honestly, that's Romans chapter 13, verse 13. That word honestly means decently. It means decently. We're a decent people. We don't go about indecent. We don't go about undecent. Uh, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness. And rioting, by the way, is what a bunch of protesters are doing. And it's ungodly and wicked. I don't care what the cause they say they have. Uh, not in chambering and wantonness. You know what chambering is? That's shacking up together. It's what that is. And wantonness is living in lust. Whether it be lust for one thing or another, it don't matter. Lust for, uh, lust for pleasure, lust for money. Uh, wantonness. Not in strife and envying. And so, so you can't have law and order and be fussing and fighting at the same time. That ain't right. And so we are people that like order. And those who don't like order, those who like chaos, uh, those who refuse law, refuse God. Refuse God. How then to refuse God? Refuse life? Refuse law? And there's one more thing I would tell you. Refuse love. Because love is of God. God is love. How can you refuse love and say you love God. John said so much in 1 John, in chapter 2, I bring you to a, to a little place where he, where he says, in verse 9, He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even unto now. You know what he said? You can say you've been a, a member of, Antioch Baptist Church or Mount Pisgah uh, Holiness Church or, or the first church of God in, in whatever time. It don't matter what church. You can say you've been a member of that church for 20 years and talk about how you love God and sing, oh how I love Jesus with tears coming out of your eyes. And if you can't stand your brother, you're a liar. If you don't love your own people, you don't love God. That's what he said. And he said so because he was moved by the Holy Ghost to write that because we believe these scriptures are inspired of God. If you refuse love, you refuse God. It says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there's none occasion of stumbling in him. You won't mess up if you love everybody. It says, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. You can't hate your neighbor and love God. If you refuse love, 
you refuse God. It says in chapter 3, verse 15, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. How about that? A murderer. See, because we break the commandments of God, not just with our actions, but with what's in our heart. If we hate somebody, we're the same as a murderer. I knew a preacher. <clears throat> I won't even tell you where. Some of y'all know him. And he had a hard, bitter spot against his first pastor. And he was just bad-mouthing him. Bad. I was over at his house. And he looked at him and he said, that's right. He said, I know I ain't supposed to hate him. He says, but there's some things God's just going to have to straighten that out in the judgment seat. And I thought, boy, don't you know he will? Can't speak to me about God and the holiness of God if you refuse love. For if you refuse love, you refuse God. It says in chapter 4, 1 John, verse 20, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. Now, is that too complicated for anybody? Was that too deep? That's pretty simple, ain't it? If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God who he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Also. That means if you choose political hatred, if you hate that other bunch of people, you refuse God. That means if you choose racial hatred and you hate a people because of how they were born, you refuse God. That means if you hate anybody for any reason, you refuse God. And don't tell me it don't run in your flesh to hate somebody. It runs all over your flesh to hate somebody. It's a battle you'll have to fight that you not hate people. Because when you get done wrong, it'll fly all over your flesh. And you'll start wanting something bad for them if you don't watch out. And you know what we call that? Hatred. But if you love God, there'll be something that wakes up in you and says that's not the road you ought to go down. And says, I know it's in your flesh to get mad, but you can't do that. Because you're my child. And I'm not going to allow it. And it'll bother you as long as your flesh is in control. And if you're a child of God, you'll hate hatred in you. It, it won't sit good with you if somebody don't sit good with you. It'll bother you. Because those who love God want to obey His commandments and He's commanded us to love one another. And there's something in you that won't be right why there's something in your flesh that ain't right. And that's why Jesus told us in the book of Matthew, and I'm going to close it in the book of Matthew, where He was preaching that great sermon, that sermon on the mount, that one that stood the test of time. He, in chapter 5 there, it's fairly early in this great sermon on the mount, because that sermon is between chapters 5 
in chapter 7. So chapter 5, 6, and 7 are all one sermon he preached. But toward the end of chapter 5, Jesus, when he was explaining how much greater grace is than law, how much greater it is to believe in Jesus than it is to believe in Moses, he got to explaining how the law felt short. But grace covers everything. See, grace is not an excuse that let, or it's not a license that gives you an excuse to do everything. But rather it goes deeper than the law ever went. Grace is harder on you than the law ever was as far as your flesh goes. But, flesh, but the law cannot get past the flesh. But grace goes into the heart. Into the heart. In verse 43, Jesus said, You've heard it. You've heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, and remember we said, Refuse not him that speaketh. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Can I ask you, when's the last time you prayed for them bunch of folks that your bad mouths are bad? When's the last time you prayed for them? Instead of calling them stupid, why don't, why don't you just recognize that they need God? Just like you do. And instead of talking about how ignorant they are and how they've been better off they hadn't been born and, and, and running your mouth, why not just get along somewhere and say, God, please open their eyes. Maybe what they need from you is not for you to respond in kind, but for you to pray for them. And that's what the Lord said. He said, Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, He treats everybody good. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in, in heaven is perfect. What am I telling you? Be like the Lord. You don't refuse life. You don't refuse law. You don't refuse love. But embrace all three. Choose life. Seek for that good law and order in your own life. And choose to love. Whether a man deserves it or not, whether a woman deserves it or not, doesn't matter. We love because He loved. We love others because He loved us. And in so doing, we do not refuse Him that speaketh. We're going to end it there. Brother Craig, if you have a song, we can end up with it. Conclude.